Welcome to the Best Science Medicine Podcast, BS without the BS. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 532nd episode of the Best Science Medicine Podcast. My name is James McCormack, and I'm a professor with the Faculty of Pharmaceutical Sciences at the University of British Columbia. I'm Mike Allen. I'm a family doctor and the director of practice support at the College of Family Physicians of Canada. I'm also an adjunct professor at the UVA. And Mike, and at the UVA. Uh, oh, I was going to say, from- I was going to say, Mike, we are really going to get to the bottom of something today. Oh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I stole we should probably the- have ended on that, James. Don't say end even. <laughs> so, but Mike, Mike Colber is here to talk to us. And fill in why James is so fixated on these <laughs> segues. Mike? Hi, guys. Uh, nice to chat again. Mike Pulver, uh, family physician, Northern Alberta, professor at University of Alberta. Uh, if you say U of A, they might think that's U of Canada, A kind of thing. Yeah, right? U of A. So, <laughs> a. Yeah, U of E-H. <laughs> Just came back from the States. Yeah. So, but but the reason we are, uh, I'm sure you're all dying to know what we're going to be talking about. It's uh, uh, Mike and uh, a few colleagues, and we'll mention them as we go along. Is uh, they did a tools of practice on, and this is the title, and this is where I got the the, the introduction part was topical anal, anal fissure treatments, getting to the bottom of it. So it was not my clever line, but whenever we we talk about that area, we like to see, we like to hear what Mike has to say. Perfect. So as you guys know, I do a bit of GI also in Peace River, and we see lots of rectal bleeding and some, you know, from a multitude of conditions. And anal fissures are almost like, uh, we're also working on, or Tina's working on a tools for practice on hemorrhoids. And you'd be amazed for so such a common condition. Mm-hmm. And I'll put anal fissures in there as well. While we think the evidence works, when you actually look to the quality of the evidence, you go, oof. There's some holes, but it is, well, I'll, I'll work through it. So we often use nitroglycerin and we're going to talk about the medical and, and maybe a bit on the surgery, but mostly on the medical mm-hmm. uh, surgery is last, you know, the, the last kind of straw. And I must say in my practice in 25 years, uh, I, I can't remember sending anybody for surgery for anal fissures. Mike Allen. Uh, no, I mean, no. that was common. Uh, that was common 20 plus years ago, but for boy, sure. it, it just doesn't happen anymore. And maybe because we, we've kind of figured out a multi-stepped approach. Uh, and we're going to talk, yeah, and we'll talk about the evidence on nitroglycerin, calcium channel blockers, and then and then a vitamin E uh, RCT that just came out. And so, yeah, without further ado, so nitroglycerin was, I think, kind of the com- commonly used medication, uh, 0.2 to 0.4%. When I was doing my GI training, kind of a funny story, the GI guy said, no, it's 2% cold, but you're wrong. And we got a call from the patient the day later saying, my head is exploding. What did you guys give me? And I think he uh, 10 times the dose. <laughs> so so I didn't say anything. Anyway, so so we looked at systematic reviews and, and the systematic reviews, uh, the Cochrane systematic review is over 10 years old. And, and again, you wonder if it's going to be updated or not. The most recent systematic review has a couple holes and flaws and I'll talk to you. About, we'll talk about it later. But anyways, best evidence that we could find... Uh, Nitroglycerin, 0.2 to 0.4%, 17 RCTs, about 1,000 patients at about eight weeks healing. And healing is either clinically determined by the investigator or uh, clinician or patient reported. And I think patient reported would probably be the best way to do it. Yes, bum doesn't hurt and doesn't bleed anymore. Anyways, nitroglycerin compared to placebo at eight weeks healing is about 63% versus 38% in placebo with a number needed to treat about four. Other systematic reviews find some similarities. It depends on what's included, whether you drop P 
pediatric studies. So again, some of these uh, systematic reviews include pediatrics, different lengths of treatment, different lengths of follow-up. But anyways, best that we can figure out for every four patients that we treat with nitroglycerin compared to placebo, we have one additional uh, patient healed. So not unreasonable. I think that's, and that's consistent what we see in clinical practice. Then came on the block was calcium channel blockers. And I must say when they first came on the block, they were way more expensive than nitro. And again, so you have mm -hmm. a cheap one that we think works and something new that maybe has, and it probably is drived and came for by the headache issue. You know, mm -hmm. some of the patients were talking about headaches with, uh, with nitro and, and uh, calcium channel blockers came in. So calcium channel blockers compared to placebo. And an example would be ditalzam 2%. And three systematic reviews looked at this up to about seven RCTs, about 700 patients, and found healing rates in the 78 to 80, about 80% versus about 40%, with a number needed to treat about three. So I, I think when you look at those numbers, they're not dissimilar to nitro, to be honest with you. Now, we found some funny statistical wizardry and some weird stuff, and some of the you know funnel plots were significant and other ones weren't. And, and you know, you, you removed the pediatric study and all the RCTs were significant, but the blobogram wasn't. Anyways... Uh, who knows? And I don't think we need to dive into that at all. So I think calcium channel blockers and nitros work better than placebo. Now, what's interesting is when you compare them head to head, one systematic review says, cal says calcium channel blockers are better than nitro. And the other one says no difference. And I think it's, I, without dig digging into details, I think that we'd be conservative and say there probably isn't a difference. Probably the difference would be the headache. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, classic with the nitro stuff. So I think we're going to get about... You know, 75, 80% of people healed uh, clinically at about eight to 12 weeks with the, these treatments that often you do, you know, a couple times a day, uh, in addition to, you know, high fiber diet plus, you know, plus or minus Restorlax. And the, and the other kicker is there's no consistency in what you could actually get before you got onto these RCTs of medication versus placebo. Some would encourage PEG, some would encourage fiber, some here's the med, here's the, you know, it's just all over the place. Other interesting things with these systematic reviews are a lot of patients were, were unblinded. God, I'd love a great North American study. I think out of all of the ones in the systematic reviews, I think there was two from the States and most of them were from other, other areas that may be dissimilar to, to North Americans, um, which was interesting. Uh, a lot of, again, statistical analysis, including pediatrics with the adults. Again, when you're learning how to do systematic reviews, I think you would set up a systematic review looking at adults by itself and not combining them and, and just a whole bunch of stuff. So this, this one, uh, I think this area is congruent with clinical practice. We think they work better than placebo, but this is a beautiful one where it's so common that boy, if all of us got together, enrolled patients and did just a real high quality and did it once, you know, and grabbed a couple hundred patients, we'd probably answer this question uh, 100% without any uh, doing it right statistically, including the right people, the right follow-up, and the right uh, outcomes. So. But, I, but I think based on what you've got, you could you could say, I mean, calcium channel blockers are at least as good as yes, nitroglycerin. And then, yep. and then I, I don't think you mentioned the, the numbers for the headache, but you know, you're looking at about a 50% absolute increase in headaches when you use nitroglycerin. So, so that, Correct. you know, I, I would imagine, and I don't actually know, but I, I think the nitroglycerin is, would be less, less expensive than the topical calcium channel block. Cause I don't know if that's the case now, but if, if used if, to be James, yeah, yeah I remember and, they used to be quite expensive. It's about the same. Yeah. It used to be, it used to be an order of magnitude, like five to 10 times. And now it seems to, when we checked it uh, just this year, yeah. it seems they're very congruent. And so either, 
nitro went up in price. And I can't remember historically. Yeah, nitro yeah, yeah, went yeah. up a little bit. <laughs> or maybe, man, normally things don't come down that great in price. And I wonder, yeah, who knows? Yeah. So, if so they, they, it, when you compare the two, oh, sorry, James. No, I was going to say, well, that, that to me would be a no-brainer. You'd be using a calcium channel blocker because they're at least as good and less side effects and the same price. But James, ask yourself, is a 50% increase in adverse events, an absolute 50, is that clinically important? <laughs> Let me, uh, so maybe, can, can, can I get back to you on that? I mean, the, 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 only, the only advantage of knowing that is that you can absolutely check for adherence. Because if you say, have you had any headaches? And they go, no. And you know, I don't know if you guys are old enough. That's what we used to do when we were using nitroglycerin for all sorts of other things. We would ask you, so have you been having headaches? No. Well, why haven't you been taking your drug? Yes. <laughs> it's you like know, the so, old... so when they do compare calcium channel. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's like the old Oralistat trials. Everyone knew yeah. who was on Oralistat when you were randomized to it. Because you, you had such bad diarrhea. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The same the same thing with a lot of drugs, right? They're, the adverse event profile is so prominent that yeah. you can you can figure out whether you're on it or not. Yeah. So those are those two, but the, the, there are others. There's one other potential option, right, Mike? Yeah, for sure. Maybe before we go there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, again, when you compare the head-to-head -head calcium channels and nitro, for headaches, about 56% uh, of patients on nitroglycerin had headaches mm -hmm. and under 10% on calcium channel blocker. And so you're right, it's favoring that way. But also, you know, after just doing all this COVID uh, vaccine related adverse events and looking at it also, the devil's in the detail and how you ask the questions as well. Is mm -hmm. it patient reported? Is it ticky box? All these kind of things. And so, again, I think it, well, well, the totality of the evidence, there's no difference. If somebody has headaches, yeah, maybe you wouldn't use nitro. But I want, again, I wonder how they asked the question. We found, uh, what, a five to tenfold difference in adverse events. Again, just depending on how you ask the question. And so I think sometimes devil's in the Yeah, and, I, and, I, but I th and you're right. And I, because I think, you know, if you were to do a study with nitroglycerin, almost for sure one of the questions would not, it wouldn't be tell me anything about side effects. You would absolutely ask about headaches. Because mm -hmm. you know that that's, you know, that yeah. the majority and you get of to the solicited versus unsolicited yeah. adverse events. Yeah. And I, I think that we would put more emphasis as far as uh, really importance on the unsolicited. And what did you do as a result? Did it work? Yeah. I had a headache, but I was going to continue. Or, you know, it, it worked, but the headache was so terrible I had to stop. And again, yeah, this um, is a degree. So just giving a number doesn't give you all the, no, all, no, the for whole sure. picture. Yeah, you don't know the magnitude of it and all you that bet. sort of stuff. So that's what we have sort of for nitroglycerin and uh, calcium channel blockers. But there is one other potential uh, treatment though, right, Mike? Yeah, so a, a recent RCT came out looking at 160 patients with topical vitamin E versus topical nitro twice a day. And eight, eight weeks, excuse me, the healing was 86% for the vitamin E versus 66% for nitro for mm -hmm. a number needed to treat of five. Stop, stopping due to headache. So again, talking about, you know, is a headache bad enough to stop? Top, mm -hmm. Stopping due to headache was actually almost one in five in nitro mm -hmm. and 0% in the vitamin E. So interesting. A uh, well, couple of little hiccups with this study is the patients were unblinded. Maybe the nitro was under undosed, underdosed. And we really couldn't really figure out how much uh, international units per gram the vitamin E uh, concoction was. Yeah, they didn't. It, I, uh, I went and looked at the study myself, and they didn't. <laughs> they didn't mention it. Oh, jeepers! Anyways, so so, and that's one. That's a first study. So it would be lovely to see that replicated mm -hmm. somewhere else. 
and maybe they would report that kind of, and, and blinded and all this other good stuff uh, down the road. So, yeah, so I think we probably have three, uh, you know, three reasonable treatments for this and, and two with longstanding ev- evidence that we've used in clinical practice. I actually did put somebody on vitamin E a few months ago and I haven't seen them again in follow-up just to see what happens. Um, I think I put dose to be determined by pharmacist or something of that effect <laughs> or whatever. And uh, yeah, so we'll try an N1 study with this uh, individual see where we go. So... But if, if, they, if they don't come back, so if they don't come back, it's it it could be one of two things. It it's a work. roaring success, James. As a clinician, when <laughs> someone know, it's a roaring success. Back. Oh yeah. Okay, let's go with that. <laughs> I will try to see this person and follow up out of my own clinical interest as well. So, <laughs> so there you go. What we didn't talk about was uh, uh, Botox. Accessibility is really not there, and I don't think we really. I think we have other things that really work, and surgery. And, and again, we talked about surgery really being performed very infrequently and very uh, sub sub specialized. And with surgery, a risk of incontinence and a few other things, you know, that uh, really uh, would make us steer away as a primary care clinician from referring people for for surgery with anal fissures. Yeah, and then the only other context thing uh, is uh, where the fissure is, and, and maybe are there secondary causes. Yeah. So anal fissures are super, super common. And, and normally just, just the garden variety anal fissures, and that's the ones that we see, you know, the, the, the tearing of the mucosa, for lack of a better word, due to stool or, or what have you. Uh, they're normally midline. God, we see them from the age of six months to 96 years of age. But if they're not midline and there's other things, you know, that make you think about maybe something else is going on, I would say trust your gut. Uh, we see atypical fissures in inflammatory bowel disease uh, once in a while in the malignancies and that kind of stuff. So midline, I think midline is benign and other ones that you're worried, you know, worried about, make sure we investigate them appropriately uh, for secondary causes. Cool. So I, I hesitate to say this, but the bottom line is. <laughs> That's very funny. The bottom line is topical nitro and uh, calcium channel blockers. Uh, you know, I think when you, the number, I, irrespective of the numbers and how the studies work, th- those are definitely beneficial compared to placebo in helping chronic anal fissures heal when you look at eight to eight to 12 weeks. Vitamin E, we have one study that shows uh, superiority over nitro, but I'd say let's wait for one more study uh, to confirm this and, and figure out doses and that kind of stuff. And I, But I think we have an armamentarium of a multiple uh, treatment options uh, to use for our patients that we see in primary care with a chronic anal fissure. Awesome. Anything else you want to add, uh, Mike Allen? I always think it's interesting that Mike Mike Colber is probably the most up-to-date on this and sees a ton of this uh, in his practice type. Doesn't know how to leave it to the pharmacist uh, for the dose of vitamin E because you actually can't tell from the best available evidence what what the dose should be. <laughs> I guess I could have contacted the author and said, what did you really use? But you'd think that would have made it. You think the editor would have found that in the journal. Maybe, right? yeah. <laughs> like it's so, just, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. Right? How do you repeat a yeah. study when you don't know what they did? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. the, the good thing about it is, is you use it. And this is a medical term. You can just use a bunch. Because <laughs> it's, you know, it's, you're not going to, overdose from it and uh, probably doesn't cause headaches. Yeah, um, just it depends yeah, on how much you can stir in, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <a relaxo base. laughs> yeah. 
But um, and maybe based in Alberta, Alberta wise, you know, if, and I'm not sure if the cost the cost is really important. If the cost in other jurisdictions are similar, but they really seem very very similar, which is a change uh, since a number of years ago, which is lovely for yeah. comparing Ditalizam versus yeah. uh, Nitro. And and you can get prepared. I mean, there's there's you can just buy topical vitamin E uh, ointment. Like I suspect you, that's what we. You use. don't have to make it up. You the can, pharmacist yeah, just, you can just probably said, "How about this?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. <laughs> and you could use it on your face or your bum. Yeah, because I mean, there is because there is a little bit, and you know, I, I, this is not a uh, a recommendation. This stuff for you know for uh, reduced scarring and things like that. Uh, I I don't know what the evidence says for it, but I know it's been looked at. I don't know the evidence yeah. on that either. Uh, and and yeah, and, and I think it's you know it is very important that you know the. Uh, an anal fissure, you do want to reduce scarring. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think it matters. Um, any Anything else that you want to add, uh, either of you guys? Mike? No, that's good, James. So uh, hopefully that was of value to you guys. You now know how to deal with anal fissures. So I think uh, uh, we'll just uh, leave it at that. So thanks as always for listening. Talk to you later. So long for now. Uh-huh.